Sabbath, everybody. All right, welcome to the end of a wonderful week that we had, where we culminated in the Sabbath. And I pray that um, as we sit here, that we'll try to bring all the things we learned this Sabbath, you know, into what we're learning today, right? The whole point of the Sabbath is, is a grand feast, amen? And we want to have our minds bringing all the things, because when we come to the Sabbath, we bring the week to get inspected. Amen? And if it is found according to the way God wants it, what does he do? He gives you five more talents, right? This is what he adds to what you've brought. So by God's grace, as we sit and listen this Sabbath, the Lord can add to the things that we've, we've learned during the week. So shall we kneel for prayer? Amen. All right. So, um, everything that the Lord is teaching us is to bring us down to the last six verses of Daniel 11. Amen? Amen. And when we get there, we ought to understand clearly what the scripture is saying. And one of the things that, you know, in going back over some of the old things, watching some of the stuff that Jeff was teaching is, one of the largest problems in Adventism is the understanding of the glorious land. For some reason... Um, they don't understand it. And, and from what we understand, to not understand the glorious land is to not understand the chain of events in Daniel 11. Yes. Right? And, and if you don't, because the Bible mentions it all the way up in verse 16. Yeah. Right? And if you don't understand this, then you wouldn't be able to follow along with, with what the Lord is opening up. Uh, what you are to do, uh, whether you're part of the glorious land or not. Mm. Right? So this morning, we'll... Uh, take a brief look at this um, concept of the glorious land. Now, I may not stick to the notes um, as I have other thoughts um, swimming in my head. And if, I feel, if, if I'm impressed by the Lord to go there, I'll probably go there and we'll, we'll probably jump around these notes. All right. So um, when you go to Genesis chapter 2, um, chapter 12, sorry, amen. This is the first time the Lord comes to Abraham. And I'm just going to go through the bold parts because these are stories that we, well, we should well understand. Amen? Amen. They're, they're not difficult stories. So this is where Abraham is asked to leave his father's house. And in, chapter, in verse 2, the Bible says, And I will make thee a what? A great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And then the last part says, In thee shall all the families of the earth be, be blessed. And um, the word families is akin to the word nation, right? And this is something, when you go to Genesis chapter 10, and 10 or 11, 11, when the Lord scattered them, the Lord says, um, they went their way by families, right? So, so we know that the nations were formed in that manner, amen? So when the Lord tells Abraham, indeed shall all families be blessed, he's, re he's talking about nations, right? So... In verse 7, 
the Lord comes down and he says to Abraham, Unto thy seed will I give what? This land. So what is the promise? The promise is the land, right? And then you go down to um, chapter 15. Abraham comes to that point with that promise in mind. Okay, and then he says, uh, verse 2, the Bible says, And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go? Because why? What was the promise? Unto thy seed will I give thee this land. Abraham had that understanding. And so he asked the Lord, well, how will I get the land if I'm childless? Because the land is on promise of having seed. Amen? And then um, Abraham says, Thou hast given me no seed, and lo, one born in mine house is mine heir. Drop down. Genesis 15, verses 18. It says, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed I have given this land, from the river Egypt unto the great river, the great, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And then he says, The Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephames, Amorites, Canaanites, and Gergeshites, and Jebusites. Ten nations. All right? So the Lord is identifying the land by how many nations? By these ten nations. All right? So um, we know the natural is pointing to the? So at the end of the world, this number ten is going to teach us which land the Lord is going to give us. Amen? Which, which is the land he's really pointing to? Amen? All right. So... Uh, drop on to the next bold. This is, this is concerning um, Genesis 15 when he, when he made the sacrifice, right? It says, The plan of redemption was here open to him in the death of Christ, the great sacrifice, and his coming in glory. Abraham saw also the earth rest restored in its what? Eden beauty to be given to him for an everlasting possession as the final and complete fulfillment of the so Abraham had a spiritual mind because the Lord gave him what ten nations and where was these nations at this time they were existing right but she says in that what did Abraham see he saw Israel I mean Eden restored amen alright so this is how we had to see it right all these symbols are only for us to see the spiritual Right? What the Lord wants to do for those who are his seed. As a pledge of this covenant of God with men, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp, symbols of the divine presence passed between the severed victims, totally consuming them. And again, a voice was heard by Abraham confirming the gift of what? Of the land of Canaan to his descendants. However, did Abraham receive the land? No, all right. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, these all died, how? In faith, not receiving the, how many promises? How many promises? At least two. I'm going to say at least two because what does the text say? Not receiving what? The promises. But so far we've only read the Lord only promised him what? The, the land and the? And the seed. Amen? Right. So, so it's plural. Right? It's the land and the... And they go together. 
right? But it's a covenant promise, right? And this covenant promise God makes with his church. Abraham was the progenitor of God's church. Amen? So when you come down to the end of the world, does God have a church? Right, and that church should have what? A land and what? And the seed. Amen? Right, as it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. Amen? Amen. 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 Let me ask a question then. I just thought, but this is a nice principle. So when you make children, what was the first thing you should look for? Land. A land. Right? You should be looking for a land. This is a promise. This is one of the promises we take to God. Right? Because come, adjoining a, 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 a the, the seed is the is the land. If he's going to give you seed, he's going to give you somewhere to grow that seed. Amen? All right. Let us continue. Hebrews chapter, uh, same chapter, but verse 40 says, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made what? Perfect. All right? So they waiting for the land, but who? We're the ones at the end of the world that has to, uh, what's the term? There is something we must do in order for they to partake in that land. Amen? Amen. So, let us continue. The promises. I'm just going to scroll through these promises quickly. Um, drop down to verse 5 of, of Deuteronomy 30. I would encourage you to read these things in your, in your time. Right? Because context does play a part, but for time... I'll just kind of go through it. It says, And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possess, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will what? Circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed. Let's go to Jeremiah. It says, And I will give them, verse 39, one heart, Jeremiah 32 and verse 39, and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear where? In their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. I will plant them in this land. As surely as my whole heart and with my whole soul. Ezekiel 36, it says, a new heart also will I give you, and a what? New spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments, and do them, and you shall dwell where? In the land that I gave to you. So what else is connected to receiving the land? The new heart, right? So this is why Paul could say that they are not made perfect without us. Because there must be a people that receive what? The new heart before everyone can enter into the land. Amen? So it's three promises. It's the land, it's the seed, but the seed must have what? A new heart, right? So it's really three promises that makes up this covenant. 
Go ahead. So could you see um, the Israelites, God wanted them to have them that seed that he would spread throughout Canaan. Yes. But their heart weren't, hearts weren't changed. That's why they couldn't go in. Bef well, what did he do in the wilderness? What was the purpose of the wilderness? To give them what? The new heart. Right? And the circumcision just before they cross over was to signify what? The new heart. But when they went into the land, what did they do? They went back. Right? They, 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 they put on the, 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 the new heart and picked up the old ways. Right? And you'll see that all through history. God is just waiting for people to walk the whole path with the new heart. That's it. Once, you, once you've proven that you could go through the whole path with the new heart, where does he take you? Enoch, Elijah, Moses, Christ himself, right? They, they demonstrated that they could have gone the whole length with the new heart, right? Moses got his new heart at the burning bush, and he demonstrated by his actions that he went the whole length of the, of the path, and the Lord came and took him, amen? The Bible says Enoch walked right into heaven, right? I would like to experience that. Let us continue. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 said, Beloved, now we are what? Sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like? Yeah. What is he giving us here now? Huh? A new body as well. Because it says, when he shall appear, we shall be like? Like him. Like him. Amen? By beholding, we become? Amen. So, let's, so the new heart and the new mind is automatically equal as a new body. Here's why. Matthew 9, 16. No man put a piece of new cloth onto an old garment. For that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment and is rent, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine in old bottles. Else the bottles break and the wine runneth out and the bottles perish. But they put new wine in what? New bottles, and both are preserved. So with the new, the seed needs a new heart and a new, and a new body, right? Because the new heart cannot go into an old, into an old body, right? Let us continue. And together, the new heart and the new body goes into the land, all right? So the mind. Paul says. So then with the mind, I myself serve the, serve the Lord. And mind and heart is, is it, it's sort of, there's a reason why the Bible uses mind sometimes and heart sometimes. I don't totally understand the, 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 the nuance, but remember, these words are designed to inspire certain thoughts, right? While they are synonymous, in it, there's a reason why he used hearts. And mind. Mind is more geared to conscious decisions in some sense. Whereas the heart has to do with when you, when you place your affection on him. I, I don't totally understand it. But, but that's some of, kind of what I was seeing there. Both the feelings and the, the, the conscience has to be surrendered to Christ. Right? Yeah, the thoughts and the feelings make up the character. And so sometimes you use mind and sometimes you use heart because, you know, people like to say, hey, what does your heart tell you? That doesn't mean what are you thinking, right? That, that always points to your feelings. And so when you see heart sometimes in the Bible, and 
Christ has to give you new feelings as well. All right? yeah. So, with all thy soul, amen, and with all thy soul. So, there is a, a nuance between them, but they, they, they're interchangeable sometimes. Right? So, Paul says, with the mind, I serve the, Lord, the, 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 the law of God. Um, Philippians tells us in chapter 2 and verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Because the, the text says, when he shall appear, we shall be like him in mind and body. Right? So, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, but we have the mind of Christ. All right? And again, I'm just going through these things quickly. If you go down to the next quote, it tells us how we get it. By what? Conversion, Conversion and men are to receive what? The mind of Christ. Amen? All right. So it tells us how to receive this mind. So what is God waiting for? For, for, for? A converted people. Because it says they are not made perfect without us. God is waiting for a converted people. And this conversion has to begin at the beginning. Right? Never, you, you don't just get it at the end. You have to have it in the beginning and walk all the way to the end. Or else, God could wrap up time anytime he pleases. Right? Because throughout the, 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 the um, history, he had men who were converted. Amen? But were all men converted? No, he didn't have that number. There is a number. Right? Abraham. Was Abraham converted in the beginning? Did he keep it all the way to the end? At times, what did he do? He fell. Right? Christ, on the other hand, what did he do? He kept it all the way to the end, right? Amen. Amen. And the Bible says we must have the mind of? The mind of Christ. Amen. And this is what the Sunday law is designed to prove, that there is actually people on earth who have the mind of Christ. Amen. So now let's look at this body, right? It says in Philippians chapter 3, who shall change our what? Vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51 says, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sung, and the dead shall be raised how? Incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this incorruptible, sorry, this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality let's go now to verse 42 back to verse 42 it says it is sown in what corruption it is raised in incorruption it is sown in it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power it is sown in the natural body it is raised how a spiritual body when we have all these things then we can go into the land the power, the spiritual body, amen? The incorruption, the glory. When these things are bestowed upon a people, now God can give the land as the way, sorry, the way he intended to give the land in the first place. Amen? It's really all about spiritual things. Amen? The natural, on the other hand, however, just gives us this understanding, the lesson, the prophecies of the spiritual. Amen? So it's important that we understand the glorious land through time, right, so that we know where we're going. 
Amen? All right. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we what? But, by, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing and regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So the mind, the body, the heart, all these things are saved through Christ. Not by anything we do, right? But by his merits. Amen? All right. So now let's look at the land. In Exodus chapter 3, when they were in Egypt, the Lord came and he repeated the covenant. He says in verse 17, I will bring you up out of affliction, out of the affliction of Egypt, unto the land of the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites and Hivites and Jebusites, unto a land flowing with? What kind of land? Milk and honey, right? Amen. He's now adding to the promise he gave to Abraham. When he, when, he gave, when he spoke to Abraham, did he tell him the land was flowing with milk and honey? No, he just says, I'm going to give you the land of these ten nations. Now he comes to the children and he adds a little bit. And he says, this land is flowing with milk and honey. All right, continuing on. Deuteronomy 6. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye might increase mightily, as the Lord God... God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says, Therefore thou shalt what? Almost every time the Lord talks about his covenant, that's associated with it. That line, keep the commandments, do my keep my words, walk in my way. He always associates that with it. All right? And he says, keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a what? He gives you another definition, right? So this land is a land that floweth with milk and honey. But now he says it's a what kind of land? A good land. It says... A land of brooks of waters of what? Fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without what? Scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of, out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Lord, this is a vivid description of that land. Springs, valleys, iron, brass, wood, gold. It's going to be there. It's a land full of resources. Right? It's a land full of the things essential for life. Water. Right? Praise God. Go ahead. Yes. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask you a question. Israel, when they was in Egypt, 
I mean, when they, when they got the land, right, did that land ever lost its riches? No, no. I, yes or no? Did that land ever lost its riches? I do, oh, you don't know. Somebody else answer. No. Okay. Yes or no? When Elijah came down, what did he withheld? The rain. Did that land lose its riches? Why? Okay, so there's reasons why the land will not yield. Now, did, the, did, did, did rain stop fall forever? No, but who withheld it? So now that we say the United, can God withhold the United States from time to time? Can he withhold certain goods? A famine in California takes away 25% of America's food, right? And during that time, the land does not yield to the people, right? So, yes, the land is always rich, but at times the Lord will hold back his riches because it will bring more evil than good. Amen? You follow? All right. So, praise God, Sinirian, America. So now you want to follow this whole thought with that in mind, right? Yeah. yeah, once you say that, now follow the thought and see if your thought lines up with the word of God. Amen? All right. Say again. Then you cannot be in error. Amen. Let us go now to Deuteronomy chapter 11. You know, the Lord made it a point to, point to, to really teach them what that land was going to look like. And then Moses says, Thou shalt what? Teach it to thy children. And thy children's children. We were never to forget this. Right? That right before they go into the land, Moses recited the whole law before them. Right? They were never to forget this. So it says, Therefore shall ye keep all the what? Again, he always connects it to that. The land is only good when the commandments are kept. All right? That in itself could tell you it's spiritual. Right? Because if it was natural, the land would have always been good naturally, regardless. But if you keep the commandments, the land is good. And if you don't keep the commandments, then the land is what? It's no longer good for you. Right? So it, it already is always pointing you to God and what he has for you instead of what just the land, literal, has for you. So let us continue. That ye may be strong and go in and possess the land whither ye go to possess it. And that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, give unto them and their seed a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest to possess it, it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out. Stark contrast, right? All right. Where thou sowedest thy seed and wateredest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go, go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, and what? Drinketh in the water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord God are what? Always upon it. From what? From the beginning of the, that land to the what? End of that land. Right? This is what he's teaching. From the time you see that land, the Lord's eyes is always upon it. Right? So once we identify that line, we know God will never stop watching it. Amen? All right. So let us continue. Jeremiah. 
think I have these things later too. All right. Um, verse 21, Jeremiah 32 says, And has brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with a stretch out arm and with great terror and has given them what? This land which thou didst swear by their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And the reason why I have that here, because I think I have it later, but I'm going to discuss it now, is that notice it says, thy people will get this land. What did Jeremiah do? He separated the people from the land. However, there are instances in the scripture where the Bible makes the people the land. So we have to have that discernment, right, when we must separate the people from the land. Now, if the people is the land, it has to be spiritual, right? It's impossible for it to be natural because as people, naturally, we are, well, we're, we come from the earth. But we are not land in that sense, right? Whereas when you make that differentiation between the land and the people, everything's natural. Everyone's following? All right. Yes. Amen. So, um, all right, we could, we could, the part that says the land and inheritance is making the same point. If you inherit the land, you are not the land, right? Yeah. So I'm just making that same point. So let us, let us keep that and go down to the heading that says the glorious land, right? So we've identified this land. It's, a, it's called a good land. Another name for it is the goodly land, right? Now, in, in Daniel 11:41 it says, And he shall enter where? Into the, Into the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom, Moab, and the chief of the children of Ammon. In Strong's, that word glorious, it means in a sense of what? Prominent. In a sense of prominence. What, is, what does it mean to be prominent? Highest. Highest. Importance. 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 What else? If something is prominent, it's in front. Right? It's always in front. Right? Say again, Asante. It stands out. It stands out. Amen. Amen? All right. Praise God. Where is the eyes of the Lord? Upon the land, the good land. From the beginning of the year to the... So the eyes of the Lord is always upon the land that stands out. Amen? Because he says the land of the people, the baptism is the beginning of the year. Amen. 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 Right? Once you profess to be, be God's people and you baptize, his eyes is always upon you. Amen? Because you stand out Because you're peculiar people. Right? So it says prominence, goodly, and pleasant. Right? I want to bring that one up. Pleasant. So now let's go to um, Daniel eleven sixteen because the, the thought was, Romario brought it out, when, when, when the prophet uses the word, all you got to do is go back and see where the prophet used the word before to understand what he's talking about, right? See how the prophet used the word in the prophecies, and he will explain to you what he means when he says what he means, right? So you go back to Daniel eleven sixteen, and there Daniel uses the same word. It says, But he that cometh against him shall do according to his will, and none shall stand before him, and he shall stand where? In the glorious land, which by his hand shall be consumed. 
Daniel and Revelation, it tells us, having put an end to the war, Pompey demolished the walls of Jerusalem, transferred several cities from the jurisdiction of Judea to that of Syria to impose tribute on the Jews. Thus, for the first time, was Jerusalem placed by conquest in the hands of that power which was to hold the what? So where is Erasmus telling us is the glorious land? Jerusalem, right? So this glorious land is, uh, this land that the Lord wanted to give them is Jerusalem, right? But by extension, it's what? Judea, right? It's Judea and Jerusalem is just the what? The capital, right? But the, to have a capital, you must have a territory, right? So the good land is Jerusalem, It says it's a land flowing with? Why? What is milk and honey a symbol for? Prosperity. Prosperity. Riches. Keep going. What is milk and honey a symbol for? The word of God is what? Sweeter than? And a honeycomb, right? The word of God is likened to honey. All right? And milk. Amen. Yes? What's the word? Okay, praise God. Answer more. I'll hear you more. So, the word of God is the riches of his kingdom. Amen? Because Laodicea, thou art what? Rich and increasing goods and had need of nothing, right? But, but what does Christ say? Behold, I stand at the door and what is knocking? The word of God, the true riches. Right? So milk and honey is a symbol for riches. It's a symbol for the word of God, which means God's people in that land had all that they needed to get the word out. Amen? If the world needed milk and honey, where were they to go? Jerusalem. Right? And whenever we leave Jerusalem, what are we leaving with? The riches of the land. Milk and? So the glorious land was prominent, was, 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 one of his characteristics is the place where God's word is. Right? The other thing is Jerusalem is centrally located. North and south in the natural is dependent on what? Where Jerusalem is. Right? So in order to go from the north to the south, you must pass where? And to go from the south to the north, you must pass through? Okay, Jerusalem. That's why the Lord made it the glorious land. Right? You must pass through the glories of the Lord to get to your destination. Amen? You must pass through the riches of the Lord to get to your destination. Amen. And yep. now beings have to pass through here. Yes. I don't know what that looks like. But beings have to pass through On their way to wherever they're going. To, to Saturn or, or that, that place or this place. They have to yes. pass through all here. Light, all light would beam That's from right. the earth. Amen. Oh, he's going to shake it up. Yeah, but it's not going to... It won't be moved out of the tree. 
Reshuffling, yeah. so almost. Hmm. Nah, that's nice. Yes, New Jerusalem. So, one last thing it says that the word means prominent, right? And it means then that that nation, not only is it prominent in the world, but it's also prominent in the scriptures, right? That's one of the keys, that that, na that nation, that glorious land is prominent in prophecy, right? All prophecies point to that nation. Amen? Everyone following? All right, Senator, are you still with me? You still think it's America? Praise God. Let's go. Advent Review and Sabbath Herald, the pioneer says, it is, this, it is in this American land that the great body of the church had chiefly shared her glorious triumph and prosperity since when? So when you think about it, what did the Lord make with Abraham? So what did he make with his church after 1798? Right, and the pioneer says plainly, this is where the great body of people are. God's covenanted people can be found in that land in 1798. Everyone's following? Right, go ahead. I like that because in the spiritual, Abraham is Christ. So the covenant was made with Christ. Yes. Amen. Amen. Everyone's following? Senator, are you sleeping? Why are you in the back then? All right. Next quote is the same um, same. Same passage, I think it is. He says, We have reached the appointed time when the great body of God's living what? Professed people are to be found where? So they understood that God was going to give his people a land even in their time. Right? He says, As above described, and there is no people or country on the habitable globe at this time that will answer to the above description but the people and country of this American land, right? They were quite positive that God's covenant people were in America. Amen? So all we got to do is take this understanding back to Abraham. And the Lord says he was going to give his people a, a land. Amen? Let's continue. It says, for the above... From the above, it is clear that the wilderness of preparation is the what? Pleasant land brought to view in Daniel 8, 9. It is called in chapter 11, 41, and 45, the glorious land and the glorious holy mountain, or goodly land, land of delight or ornament. Next quote, review and herald. Huh? No. Yes, he does, but we know better. Right? And, and, and I'm going to explain that. Well, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll explain that. I don't know, if I get there. So, it says, Kenard might touch that. God does not willingly, no, is this quote? Yes. God does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men with tearful utterances, the husbandman says. What more could I do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? The unrivaled mercies and blessings of God has been showered upon where? Our nation. It has been a land of what? Liberty and glory of the whole earth. 
Yes, this is Ellen White, reviewing Herald, May 2nd. All right, continue. She says, many are driven across the ocean to where? America. America. And here laid the foundation of what? Civil and religious liberty, which has been the bulwark and what? So what makes this country glorious? Civil and religious liberty. It is no coincidence that a people at a certain time fled to this land because they were led of God, led by Moses, into this land where they can enjoy what? Civil and religious liberty. And this is why they had to drive out the heathen because you can't enjoy religious liberty with the heathen in your midst, right? Continuing on, she says in Prophets and Kings, with great power and a mighty hand, God brought his chosen people out of the land of Egypt. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They showed his signs among, the, among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He rebuked the seas also, and it dried up. He led them through the depths. He rescued them from the, their servile state that he might bring them to a good land, a land in which his providence had prepared for them as a what? Was another characteristic of this land. It is a refuge. Right? From their enemies. He would bring them to himself and encircle them with his everlasting arms. And in return for his goodness and mercy, they were to exalt his name and make it what? Glorious in the earth. That was the purpose of Jerusalem. To make God's name glorious in the earth. Because everything went through Jerusalem. Amen? Is Jer Jerusalem is no more. But has the Lord changed? No. So the Lord needs a, a land where from that point his name can be made glorious. glorious. Right? The glorious manifestation of the power of God, anyone? Exactly. Right? He comes right here in these United States from 18, 1840 to 1844 and he demonstrated his glorious nature. It must happen in America. It's impossible. Amen. It's impossible because then he would have to change the glorious land. But he can't change the glorious land until he calls his people out. You can only go to the glory. You could only, only when that particular land becomes Egypt can he call you out. Right? Yes, it was. Because Joseph. Yes. Everybody's put Michelle, you look confused. You have a question? Why did he call him out of Egypt? Okay, because the glory had the glory departed. Can I just say it? Why did he why did he move from the Jews to the Christians? The glory departed, right? But the Christians, they didn't have a land. So he gave them a land in 1798. Amen? All right. That glorious land. Continuing on, uh, MS 17, she says, the, You don't depart from the glorious land. Right? You depart when the land that the Lord gave you is now turned into Egypt. And now we're going to He's going to prepare a place. Okay. Right? There's always a place prepared. 
right? Well, let's out with in a minute. All right. It says, the Lord hath done more for where? For the United States than for any other country upon which the sun shines. There is nobody in the world who don't believe this. All right? Here, here in these United States, he provided what? A refuge for his people. Where they could worship him according to the dictates of conscience. Here, Christianity progressed in its purity. The life-giving doctrine of the one mediator between God and man has been freely taught. God what? Designed that this country should ever remain free for all people to worship him in accordance with the dictates of conscience. He designed what else? So he designed the, Protestant move, the Protestantism part and he designed the Republicanism part. This is what he's showing, right? He designed the, the religion and the government. Amen? All right. He designed that it, its civil institutions in their expansive productions should represent the freedom of gospel. Congress shall make no laws respecting what? The establishment of religion. This is what he's saying here. He designed that our civil institutions shall, should represent that freedom. So they had to put that in the Constitution. Right? Yes. The only point that I'm making is they had to put that in the Constitution. It didn't matter if 10 devils wrote the Constitution. They would have had to put that in the Constitution because it says God designed it. Amen? All right, let's continue. The word design. I love it. It means delineated. Right? The seven thunders are what? Delineation of events that transpired in America. This is what the Lord, it, it, it had to happen in America. Right? Because the Lord had reserved the United States for just such a purpose. All right? Let's continue. Now we'll see what happens. Um, when they turn it, Michelle, when they turn, right? It says, when the land which the Lord provided as an asylum for his people, that they might worship him according to the dictates of their own conscience, the land over which for long years the shield of omnipotence has been spread. Now, if, I didn't read that part, but if you go back to Genesis 15, before Abraham questioned the Lord, the Lord came to him and says, I am thy shield and thy exceeding reward. Right? Before he made the covenant with him about the land, that's what he said. What is Ellen White saying? She's using the same language. And she says, um, the land which over long years, the what? Shield of omnipotence had been spread. That takes us back all the way to Abraham. Amen? The land which God has favored by making it the depository of the pure religion of Christ. When that land shall through its legislators abjure the principles of what? Protestantism and give countenance to Romish apostasy in tampering with God's law. It is then that the final work of the man of sin will be revealed. Continue on. The people of the United States have been a favored people. But when they restrict religious liberty, surrender Protestantism, and give countenance to popery, the measure of their guilt will be full, and national apostasy will be registered in the books of heaven. The result of national apostasy will be? And Michelle, it is that time God calls you to the glorious land. 
right? Yes, he has to give you another one, right? But when they do that national apostasy, the Lord has to make a new glorious land. It's always that way. Amen. Registered, registered in the books. Ah, the books are open. Ah, that's nice. The Sunday law. Yes. Yes. That's nice. Because he's writing pardon by other names, but he's writing apostasy by this nation. Yes. Amen. Yep. Their ledger. Yeah. Yep. Amen. 1 SM 92 it says, It is in vain that the declaration of eternal truth, is it in vain that the declaration of eternal truth has been given to this nation to be what? Carried to all the nations of the world. God has chosen a what? A people. Right? So not only, like Kunar just said, it's not only the land, but it's the what? Because. Why is, the, why is it the people? What is, what is the main tenant of this nation? Each man must do what? Govern himself, by himself, and for himself. This is why God gives it to whom? To the people. Right? So it says, um, God has chosen a people and made them the repositories of truth, weighty, of truth, weighty with eternal results. To them has been given the light that must illuminate the world. Has God made a mistake? Are we indeed chosen instrumentalities? Are we men and women who are to bear the world to the world the message of Revelation 14? To proclaim the message of salvation to those who are standing on the brink of ruin? Do we act as if we were? This is, to, this is the questions to us. Right? Do we believe that this is the glorious land? Do we believe that God has given us a light to bear to the rest of the world? Right? Continuing on. America is a great where America, where the greatest light from heaven has been shining upon the people, can become a, the place of greatest peril and darkness because the people do not continue to practice the truth and walk in light. Go ahead. <laughs> Last one. Our land is in. Do we believe that? Haven't the Lord been showing us that? Right, because what are they attacking now? Marriage. Marriage, right? Our land is in jeopardy. The time is drawing now when its legislators shall so abjure the principles of Protestantism to give countenance to Romish apostasy. The people for whom God had so marvelously wrought, strengthening them to throw off the galling yoke of popery, will, by a national act, by a what? National. national act, give vigor to the corrupt faith of Rome. And thus arouse the tyranny which only waits for a touch to start again into cruelty and despotism. With rapid steps, we are already approaching this period. Now, 
is clear from the scriptures and from the spirit of prophecy, also our pioneers, that America is a glorious land. Amen? I don't think you need, um, you don't need to jump through hoops. The Bible says it's a land flowing with milk and honey where springs, rivers, iron, brass. I mean, come to America, right? Yes. Um, if you watch the, the men that built America, right, you'll see none of their resources came from abroad. All their resources came from these United States. Yeah, none of the resources came from outside, right? Because, in, in fact, America is one of those lands where you just poke a hole and water comes out, right? No, it said, what does the Bible say? The land drinketh drink up the, the rain, right? And America is like that. You go almost anywhere, stick a well in the ground, you got water. Right? It doesn't, the, I mean, the description can't be more, more plain, right? So if we go back to this covenant, right, and we trace it through the scriptures, right, and pray for me as I do this. I had this thought this morning. They, they were in Egypt, amen? So how many years were they in Egypt for? 400. 400. When they came out of Egypt, you know what, let me do this different. When they came out of Egypt, where did they go? Right, so they went into the wilderness. How long did they spend in the wilderness? 40 years. And after the wilderness, where did they go? Then they went to the land. Amen? And in that land, everything was good and proper until when? until like the time of the judges, right? Ish, right? In the time of the judges, right, they began to sin, but they were in the land. And as they sinned, what were they doing? They were adjuring the principles of religious and civil liberty. Amen? So, again, where did they went into? Went into bondage, right? So, for a while... This, 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 this bondage was under other nations. Amen? And then came in Nebuchadnezzar. Right? Then you have the 70, which parallels this 40. Amen? 70 years in the wilderness. In the wilderness of captivity. And at the end of that, what happened? They went back into the land. Right? All right. So... All right. Um, one more. After they came out of captivity in Nebuch in, with Nebuchadnezzar, what did they do? They stopped building the temple. Right? Went back into Egypt, so to speak. Went back into sin. And then who, who conquered them? Who went to the glorious land and took them? We just read it. Pompeii. Right? So now, they're under Rome. And who came? At the end, Christ, so you have Cyrus who came here, right? Who took them into this land? Joshua. Yeah, I know somebody would have said Moses, because at first I was like, Moses, okay. But Joshua, Christ, not Christ, Cyrus, and then all of them is Christ. Joshua means Jesus, right? So Christ took them out, right? Uh, you know what, I'll probably do this one different. Is it? 
Yes, I'll do this one different. So they were under Rome. Christ came, right? And they went into the 1260. They went into the wilderness. Everyone's following? I'm going to do that one this way, right? So just, just take Rome as Rome, right? Not just Christ's time period. All right, I'll just use that one as Rome. And, it, and they went into the 1260. So the 1260, the 70, and the 40 is all synonymous, amen? And after that, what did they receive? A land, right? Simple. We can just trace it through the scriptures, right? And every one of these land would be typifying the, the glorious land. Every one of these lands is the glory, because that's the pattern. I will take you out of sin and bring you where? Into a goodly land, right? You just trace it down. There is no way you can't see America in 1798, right? But at the same time, the 1260 represents darkness, right? So let's draw another one. The 1260 is also Egypt, right? Right? And after Egypt, where do you go? Into the wilderness, right? And after the wilderness, you go into the? Okay, but what's the land that comes after the 1260? The heavenly land. Yes, 1260, 46. Sorry, I didn't say it, but... The 46 years of Millerite history also typifies the wilderness. It is where God is giving you the new heart. Because what is a new, you need the heart to go into the, you need the new body. He gave them a new church, a new heart and a new church. And he took their minds where in October 22nd? To that glorious land. That's the land the Lord wants to bring us to. Amen. That's the land that all these glorious lands are pointing to. Amen. Go ahead, Kenard. I was going to say, he did the same thing to them. The same pattern is with Egypt. Yes. He took them in the wilderness, and he took them to Mount Sinai. That was heaven. Amen. He gave them the law. He, brought, he took them into the land. He was giving them a taste of the land that they were going to go into. So this is 1798. Uh, the end of the 70, that's 538, 536. And this one, no date. All right. So at the end of the 46 is 1844. Right? And now the Lord put, this land is no longer natural. Everyone's following? But what did the Adventist church do? Went back into Egypt. Amen? So here we are. Since 1863, in Egypt. But is it, this Egypt is a spiritual Egypt. This, this Egypt is a darkness of the messages that came from 1840 to 1844, right? So the Lord needs to free us and bring us back where? Into the wilderness again. And this wilderness I'm proposing is the Sunday law. This wilderness. And after this wilderness, where do we go? Because Christ is going to say it is, it is finished. And then we go into this land. But because of fractal, it's two land. You have the land in the mind, and then you have the literal land, right? So I want us to see something in addition to that. Every time God's people move on to a land, that old land is taken by Satan. Everyone's following what I'm saying? When God moved you out of Egypt, Egypt now belongs to? When you come out of Babylon, Babylon now belongs to? 
All right. So I just want to show that Satan is always one step behind the Lord. I mean, we know that. Is that a hand? Yeah. Go ahead. It's no longer viable. Yes. Amen. All right. Lot's wife. Yes. So I'm trying to make this point properly. I don't want to confuse anyone. The land is natural, but the Lord only wants us to see the, the heavenly land, right? And the Bible says, in, 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 and I'm just for, as a principle, in Daniel 11, 40, 41, it says, and he shall enter into the? Who enters into the glorious land? It's twofold. It's natural and it's, and it's spiritual. Who entered the glorious land in, 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 Egypt, in Israel time? Joshua. It says he shall enter into the... And many shall be... All the Amorites... They were, they were what? Okay. Yes, these shall escape, right? So when you come to... Um, 538, the same thing was supposed to happen, right? Now, I don't propose to have all the um, witnesses for all the lines, but follow me through. In 1798, right, who entered the glorious land? None other than Jesus Christ, right? That's what it says, August 11, 1840, right? No lesser personage than Jesus Christ himself came down with one foot on the sea and one foot on the, on the earth to give them, to take them where? into this new land. Did Christ literally come down? No, right? It was meant to be understood spiritually. And on October 22nd, 1844, Christ went from the holy to the... And where did the people go? They went into that land. Spiritually. Once they went into that land, who took Christ's place? That's what he teaches. Satan takes his place. So when you come to the Sunday law, you must have a people here whose minds are where? In that land. Right? Because the Bible says, and he shall enter into the... Who's the he at that point? Satan. Right? Whenever Christ moves, who replaces? The Lord is waiting for us to move. When we have God in our minds, when we understand that we, our treasures are to be laid there, then Christ can take us higher and then Satan comes into this natural land. He's going to take the natural United States. But where's God's people? They're already claiming the promises. Right? Already taking, um, leaning on the promises of the spiritual land. And thus, at the end, God is going to take us to the spiritual land and leave, because the latter end, that's what it is, amen? And leave the natural land for whom? The seven last plagues. Amen? Satan cannot enter into the spiritual land. At the end of the glorious land is only teaching us that God is only taking us higher and higher and higher. And every time he takes us higher, Satan then takes that old spot. Right? So by God's grace, with that understanding, we must lay our treasures in heaven. This is the whole point. Right? So the glorious land, yes, it's the church and yes, it's the land. Because when you get to um, verse 41, I see you, Sinirim. It says, he shall enter the glorious land. That's the natural land. 
But when you get to verse 45, he says, He shall plant his tabernacle between the seas and the what? He now recognizes that God's people is in the spiritual land. And he's trying to plant his tabernacle between God's people, their minds, and God. You follow? Now, it's, so it's still the glorious land. You just have to understand them in the application. Because by the time you get to verse 45, where is the United States? Where is the earth for that matter? So what, glori so what glorious land is he planting between? It's the, it's the one in heaven and your mind. Now he's trying to take that place. But praise God, the Bible says, and at that time, shall Michael stand up to deliver his people. But that's the Sunday law, because you come there with your mind already there. Yes. The but Satan doesn't realize because she says when, when, when they move, the people that will bow down, what they, they don't realize that Christ had moved. And so Satan takes place to do what? To keep them there. But when, you get, when, when, my, when he says it is finished, when, when he says he that is filthy, let him be filled, who doesn't know? Everybody now everybody knows. Right? Now everybody knows and now Satan is just left to do, to, to basically reap havoc. But the 144,000 is still here, right? And so there's one more work where Christ now has to take them physically from this earth to, earth made, um, to heaven until earth is made new and then inherit the land that the Lord really promised Abraham. Amen? And now earth becomes the center of the universe. Still the glorious land. Amen? That thought will never go away. The glorious land will always be the glorious land. But we have many examples through history to show us what God is trying to teach us. Amen? Saniran? Yes. Yes. The destruction of Jerusalem. Amen. The the destroying angels. When 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 Cestius left and all God's people left, who came after? Titus, which symbolized Satan. And he's coming to finish the work. And like like we were saying, once apostasy comes into the land, it's no longer the glorious land. Because the glory has departed. Yes, once Lot left, the glory had departed. Mario, you had a thought? Okay, go ahead. Mario's thinking. Yes, it's always designed to point our mind to heaven. It was designed to point the Jews to heaven, right? From day one, it was designed to point them to heaven. They were never supposed to see the literal. But well, what did they turn around and say? We want a king just as the men around us because their minds was here, right? But they had a king. They had a heavenly king. And so the Jews, what they say? We have no king, but there's always that, right? And, and in um, 1844, they chose, the, 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 they chose um, Babylon over Christ, right? And they say Babylon is, is fallen, right? And they... they so all throughout the histories, 
you see that whenever they choose that other thing over God, they cease to be glorious. Right? But America has two, two phases that the Lord is dealing with, the church and the, and the state. Right? And when both falls, then America is no longer, because he set up America on two principles, right? Protestantism and Republicanism. And both have to fall in order for America to cease being glorious. And then your only freedom is in Christ at that point, up in, in heaven. Am I right? Okay. All right, so I trust that this at least helped us a little bit, give us something to look into, because um, those things, if you go study the history, I'm sure it'll add uh, great, great um, support, you know, for what the Lord has already shown us. So I just thought it was, it was a nice um, thing. And um, these things are what we have to set our, our feet upon, right? That, that, those, are, those are just solid truths that no man can deny it happen, right? That when you bring it to men, they, 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 they can't fight the truth. And these things have to be our faith. So these past things are only to show us the future. And, and today we saw all the way to the, to the new heaven and the new earth, right? That's what it's designed to do, to compare spiritual things with spiritual things, all right? Shall we close with prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are grateful for this blessed Sabbath day and for the opportunity, Lord, to, 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 to gather and to discuss the truth. We pray, O oh Lord, that these things uh, would be made even plainer to us, Lord, for uh, your word is ever uh, increasing, Lord, for you said at the time of the end, knowledge shall increase. And so we pray that you will, you will help us to, to, to search these things, that, that the knowledge uh, which is contained therein would be made plainer and plainer to our minds, thus planting our feet on the show uh, rock. Uh, we thank you for this wonderful gathering. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with us throughout the rest of the Sabbath day. And we ask, Lord, that you'll be with the speaker that is coming up after. In Jesus' name, amen.